I'm not sure. I think I'm going to phone this podcast in because I've just heard from a huge American corporation that wish to buy this entire podcast on all that we can see and replace it with an oil refinery. Oh, you know, the, the really terrible thing about selling out is when it doesn't happen. Oh, well, I'm sure we'll be all right. Let's do the podcast for the sake of it anyway. Hello and welcome to Ribbon of Memes, episode 19, a podcast where we mercilessly interrogate films previously described by other executives as masterpieces. I am joined, as ever, by the recalcitrant Roger. And the chap whom I'm joining is Nick. Oh yes, thank you, I forgot to say who I was. Um... And today we are donning our uh, our hats made of whimsy <laughs> and uh, webbed feet. Good point. And we are looking for oil in Bill Forsyth's 1983 film Local Hero. Hmm. Hmm. That's an interesting noise, uh, Phil. This is um. I this is a film I've been aware of for a while. I'm largely aware of um. As a sort of, in my head, a sort of whiskey galore type film mm. that had a Mark Knopfler soundtrack that a lot of people really loved. Um, Indeed, I, I believe the soundtrack made more money than the film, though it's hard to tell with Hollywood accounting. <laughs> um, well, good luck to Mark Knopfler because he can make a guitar sing like an angel. Mm. Um in fact, as Douglas Adams once sent, like an angel who's sick of doing good deeds all night and finally getting its hair down at the weekend. Um, Local Hero is the story of um, a large American corporation which wishes to buy up an entire small community on a remote northern uh, village, uh, northern Scottish, Scottish north coast village. Um, in order to sink an oil refinery there. Um, and the tale is of the oil executive from Houston who goes there um, to be charmed by the inhabitants. Yes, and I must admit, I have seen this kind of story hmm. too often. Well, the, I guess that summary that I gave, and exactly as you said, this is why I have not been in a hurry to watch Local Hero before, hmm. even though I've wanted to. I think I may have seen it about the time it came out, maybe on a plane or something like that, but I, I recalled essentially nothing of it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Not the most successful, then. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it started off really annoying me. Uh, uh, I agreed. Uh, yes, I had an interesting uh, journey oh, oh, with this look, film. here come the manic pixie dream Scots. yes. Here are the uh, large American. Uh, I mean, I would say it's a cliche. Here's the guy that, who the... needs to learn an important lesson about connecting with people. Look, he likes to use the phone rather than talk to people face to face. What a horrible person that makes him. Yes, even though he's next to them. Um, yes, yeah. It felt a bit. Um, this felt like a plot that was. I mean, the plot summary I think is accurate, and this felt like a plot that was signposted from a few moments into the film, and kind of felt like ugh. Well, do I have to actually watch the film? Because I've kind of seen <laughs> this before now. And that is very much the spirit I entered the first. In fact, we were talking off air uh, as I was getting frustrated at the early moments of the film, I think. Firstly, well, let's start with the early moments. So we have our hero, uh, Mac uh, McIntyre, who is actually Hungarian, um, but it, because of his vaguely well, Scottish-sounding name. Uh, well, well, I don't, know. <laughs> so, I don't, I don't a, think he personally has any Hungarian he's, background. I mean, maybe maybe his granny told him about the old country or something, but he is basically an American. He's an American uh, through and through, um, and lands in uh, I, I guess it's Glasgow. Well, I suppose it would be it's at Aberdeen. Clearly, he, he lands. Mm-hmm. Um, the the first groan elicited by me was the introduction of Marina. The marine biologist, yeah. um, um, who within I don't know about thirty seconds of being introduced has stripped off, um, much to the delight of the uh, an experiencing. Well, I think it's male gaze with capital M and capital G would mm-hmm. be the way of putting it. Um, it's not, it's not Marion in Raiders of the Lost Ark levels of introduction. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't beat the the James Bond record, with which I believe is under a minute, um, or between first first appearing on screen and being in bed with Bond. But, oh my goodness! 
<laughs> but it's um, she's. Uh, I mean, they they go to some slight pains to show that she's a scientist and superior, but it's still a very she's kind also, of. She's also weird. She's weird, and she's superior in that kind of sexist way. That is like she's one of those unknowable females that actually knows things kind of ways <laughs> of um, having an introduction to a female character. It did not endear me to the film, that early part of it. Yeah. Um, nor did the introduction of... I, I suppose I've skipped over the... Um, Burt Lancaster's character. Um, we've never had a Burt Lancaster film before, but his sure. kind of fairly stereotypical godlike CEO of an oil company... Um, now this starts actually in that early part. Sorry, I'm going to skip back a bit. We have the introduction of his therapist. This whole therapist subplot felt to me like uh, a wry comment on a whole area of therapy, which I, which may have been in vogue in the 80s, but isn't in vogue now and didn't really make a lot of sense to me. I think it was aversion therapy, it might be called, but it was basically a therapist who basically is abusive of the mm. CEO, increasingly. And increasingly and increasingly. And it, I don't know, I found it a bit of a tiresome and slightly weird subplot in the film. Yeah, I mean, the point of it, and I think we'll come back to this, is, is to say that, 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 that the character Happer is, is just not really all there. And he's aware that he's not all there. You know, he wouldn't be employing a therapist in the first place mm. if he didn't have at least some doubts about his mental state. And by not all there, I suppose you mean not complete... Um, well, he, he he is aware that something is a bit wrong, even though he's yes. presumably tremendously rich and all the rest of it. Uh, yes. Uh, yes, fair enough. And I think that is communicated, but uh, I, I I feel the subplot with the uh, the abusive therapist was it was a bit... He crops up again on the phone, and then he crops up again outside. Um, yeah. Uh, and then we have Mac uh, meeting... Oh. To be, to be fair, I, sh- I should say um, that whole uh, subplot with Happer is very much episodic. Um, yeah. I mean, he Lancaster got top billing because he was Burt Lancaster. Yes. Uh, he, he actually increased the overall budget available for filmmaking because he insisted on his, you know... His two million fee or Lancaster whatever it was, yes. But yes. Uh, one of the backers said, oh, you got Burt Lancaster, we'll throw in more money to cover that. So. Yes, Bill. So this was uh, Bill Forsyth was uh, previous films by Bill Forsyth. He's a Scottish-born and bred director. Previously, big success was Gregory's Girl, mm-hmm. um, uh, and he decided that Burt Lancaster was very much an asset rather than a hassle um, because once, of that. Once he'd been forced into it, yeah. Once he'd been forced into it and realised it actually increased his budget. Um, Mac and a young Doctor Who, Peter Capaldi, terrifyingly yeah, I young. Did not recognise him at first. This was his first uh, major film role. And my real impression of this was, wow, Peter Capaldi, before he managed to work out how to project Dignified. Because <laughs> he really isn't here. He plays a, a, an interesting character. I mean, there's some nice comedy moments here when Mac arrives and he says, can I help you with your luggage? And then just takes takes his Mac. <laughs> um, I, I, I like that. I, I warm to Peter Capaldi, but that's probably because... I know and like him in a lot of other aspects already. And mm. it was nice to see him in a slightly uh, klutzy, ditzy um, manner here. Yeah, though um, bo- both he and Mac come over to me as really the same sort of awkward adolescent man mm. to whom the opposite sex is basically a mystery. Yeah, obviously gay people don't exist. This is the 1980s. <laughs> of course, um, yes. Uh, the same as in Gregory's Girl, really. Yeah, you know, women are just mysterious. And yes, for, at least for someone like me who remembers being an awkward adolescent, though obviously not as bad as these guys because I'm still alive. This isn't a <laughs> thing that I especially want to see, even for nostalgia. That clearly, that's not a universal reaction. But I mean, it's a fairly simple comedy trope—the kind of gawky, hopeless guy and the. A woman who, uh, the female who knows, he basically understands life and has got everything together and is it's just this mystery, but this wonderful mystery. It's not, I don't know, it doesn't have a lot to do with, I mean, there are certainly gawky, weird adolescents of both sexes, certainly mm-hmm. in my experience, and I'm not sure, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's a common film trope which doesn't really exist in reality very often. 
I've got to say, though, in terms of uh, times and attitudes changing, the, the first thing that really struck me was that, that early scene in the boardroom, where indeed Happer has drifted off to sleep. But yes. We're, we're looking round the boardroom table, and it is all middle-aged to old white men. Oh, goodness, yes. Yeah, and and it... at the time, that was probably regarded as entirely unremarkable. A lot of boards looked like that. All too many still do now. Yes. <laughs> but to me, at least, I, I was thinking, yeah, there's something missing here. Oh, right, that's what it is. Oh, yeah, half the human population. Um, this is not a Bechdel test troubler of a film. Um, it's only I... got two female characters in it. It has. Now, this is a film with a heavy sea and sky motif with uh, one <laughs> one female character called Stella and the other one called Marina. So it's it's that kind of level of, of subtlety <laughs> with, the, with the female characters. Um, now, well, I... Thinking about the whimsy, because this, this is the sticking point... Uh, I think for both of us, and then it does start to come through as its own thing, even though it's the standard whimsy story to some extent. Well, I've I've slightly deliberately held back here and been a bit cruel on um, uh, on local hero because I very much went into it with all the attitudes I've espoused, and the opening probably twenty, fifteen, twenty minutes did nothing for me to reassure me that I was going to enjoy this film. But I had a strange journey with Local Hero um, in that it genuinely did charm me and won me over. Um, And it has grown more since I've watched the film. I have felt a little sad and nostalgic for leaving it, which seems to be a common experience of people having seen the film, Um, which is an interesting journey and and, um, uh, different to others that I have had on this podcast in that I, that yes, the whimsy I found, uh, the female character introduction I found frustrating, the the stereotypical uh, American executives and then the stereotypical um, local characters um, were frustrating and um, these kind of awkward aspects. As you said, big shades of whiskey galore, you know, the the cunning locals who, who are not as stupid as they look and they're playing up to the stereotype, that kind of thing. Yes. But, you know, fairly soon, when it started to win me over, fairly soon, uh, these stereotypes are quite nicely, and not not flamboyantly undercut, but they are quietly cut down. You know, the time... So, Mac meets um, Dennis Lawson, um, who is the, the... the kind of mayor, or at least the spokesman of bit the town. Of, a bit of everything. A bit of everything. The time when it starts got, to come that, together that for me. That is a great acting job. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I think Dennis Lawson is great. I mean, for those of you, including me mostly, I'm afraid, who know, only know him as Wedge Antilles from Star Wars, um, <laughs> where he gets pretty much zero acting to do. Here, he's, he's uh, genuinely... There are some clips of, of cutscenes where he actually gets to act a bit. Oh, yeah, no, there are, yes, in Star Wars, well, I don't want to delve into the Star but yes, yeah. in the Star Wars as shown, um, yeah, you, um, he is a, a charming, I don't know, I found him an, an, an interest, and, and again, initially, it's it's all played up, he's, he's a kind of um, typical uh, local who is clearly going to... Um, you know, value his lovely life here on the northern shores of Scotland more than any money that uh, any American executive could throw at him. Um, where it came together for me was when he realises he's about to become a millionaire, uh, he just starts dancing on the table as soon as the executives have mm. left. Um, and I found that a, a slightly weird, but then charming scene where you realise, oh, actually, these people don't enjoy their lives all that much and are not completely taken over by the landscape as much as we are um, mm. and are really quite happy to be bought out by this huge and ultimately the other way it undercuts is the oil executives are not particularly greedy, they're offering a fair deal they're not trying to do anyone over um, they, they Yeah, I mean will... there's a certain amount of we just saying we want to buy your land as opposed to we need to buy all of it but, yes, you know they they clearly see through that straight away anyway. So yes, exactly, and, and so difference. pretty pretty quickly they cut to the chase, um, uh, and it becomes the 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 villagers trying to screw up the uh, the big company for as much money as they can get. Um, hmm. And again, it's not. A, I mean, the plot still 
still follows exactly from that brief summary. It does pretty much exactly what you would think would happen, um, that they resist a bit and then Mac is charmed by uh, and, and kind of goes native, I suppose, in some ways. Um, but it is done with a light touch and a slightly cynical touch of human nature that appealed to me and did. The acting is uh, low-key. I mean, aside... And I think I would say, yes, I, I agree with you. Aside from Peter Capaldi, in a way, it was almost mugging in some ways. And it, mm. it, the, the acting is fairly low-key and nicely played. Um, yeah. And, and uh, one of the good things about this is there really isn't anybody you could say is a villain. Yeah, Everybody's got their no. own interests, but no, nobody's going to say, you know, I, I want mine over everybody else's. Yes, I mean, the closest thing almost to a villain is... Um, uh, Fulton Mackay's character, the old... Um, I, I found that very hard to watch, having grown up on Porridge, um, <laughs> watching him as... Seen, so. Oh, OK, well, it was hard to watch Fulton Mackay as anything other than um, the, the screw from Porridge. Um, but uh, he's the closest thing almost to an antagonist, and um, he's this... Uh, well, we should touch on the kind of the mystical-slash-magical nature of the of the story, because he is kind of the wise old guy who's got who kind of has materially nothing but has everything figured out and everything he wants um and that's he's sort of a mystical gandalf yoda type character so, so he becomes also the obstruction yes and he becomes the obstruction to the villagers getting all the money they want and there is a nice moment when there's a huge what seems like an angry mob I don't know quite where that scene was going before but Lancaster's character takes up but you are you think for a moment they are going to basically pitch him into the sea to get their or, million. Or at least shout at him a lot. And yes. it's a bit weird because from that point on, there's, there is a great wrench in the progress of the standard Manic, manic Pixie Dream People narrative. Because, you know, at this point, they, they are angry. They, 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 they really want their money. This guy yes. is in the way of it. And they, they are temporarily calmed down. Yeah, Happer turns up. Uh, we'll come back to the helicopter. It's Rogers Aviation Corner. I'm going to get that out of this film. <laughs> oh, oh, I'd like to. Um, of course. But, um, We're going to come, do Braveheart. It comes out of nowhere, they talk for hours, and then he comes up with a different option that wasn't even on the table before. Mm. Uh, the, the, some sort of offshore terminal, which would be vastly more expensive even if the water and seabed were suitable, which there's no reason to suppose it would be, which would do just as much or possibly more environmental damage. Yes. And suddenly yeah. they don't mind that they're not rich. It's just never mentioned well, again. So, well, this was... Well, it's never mentioned again because the film ends pretty shortly after that moment, to be honest. Mm. We have the... And I... I, I guess as we discussed on it, my take on that was we're looking at it through Mac's eyes, and as pretty much as soon as that the idea of this research station is brought up, Mac is whisked off the island, yeah, he's away from this yeah. place, and and so are we really. We never really see anything more that happens on the island, hmm. um, which is odd in itself. I'm not well, saying it's wrong, but it's unexpected. It is, Alex. It's an interesting ending. And again, it appealed to me. It wasn't, you know, the film has the feeling that Mac is actually going to be like, I'm going to stay here. Um, this is my home now. Mm. Um, and again, there's a nice scene that I found very nicely acted and played um, between Mac um, and uh, Dennis Lawson's character, um, whose name I've forgotten <laughs> temporarily, um, <coughs> where he basically wants to swap lives with him, including... And again, from a feminist perspective, he's had very, basically, as far as I can tell, he's had very limited interactions with Stella and had a dance with her at Akali and decided he loved her more than life itself. So I'm not sure that. Yeah, I've got to say that the line I, I really wanted to have there was, was something along the lines of, I'm not going to punch you in the face for saying that. I'm going to call Stella so that she can punch you in the face for saying that. <laughs> yes. Again, it is kind of, yes, I, I, I think that would have been suitable. But it's charmingly underplayed by Dennis Lawson's character who... Um, Gordon. Gordon Urquhart. Gordon Urquhart, of course. Yeah, the, the mispronounced name. Uh, who knows no such thing is going to happen, but generously gives Mac his fantasy for that brief drunken moment mm. um, 
even though he knows that you know that. Well, that that's the interesting thing because if it were the standard white guy learns an important lesson, that it would be a completely different ending because he's he's learned his important lesson of this is where I really want to be, but he's had it taken away from him. That's what I like. That's what I like. This is why this he, film won he's me back over in, in Houston pining. He's actually worse off than he was before. He's been shown a glimpse of heaven and then had it taken away from him. Um, and there is, I mean, that, we have that, this. That, to me, that's, that was what really said, right, this, this has actually got its own thing to say. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I, yes, exactly. This, this film made a statement, you know, with that final closing shot of the deserted telephone box um, ringing on this, on this. I, I mean, like, picturesque. The, the village itself is not especially picturesque from my point of view. It's a, the it's the landscape around it which, mm. which enchants and charms. Um, yeah, that final telephone box ringing, and that's all Mac has left is his telephones um, and his shells, uh, which I believe you pointed out would never have made it through U.S. customs. Yeah, I, I was travelling to the U.S. a bit in the early 80s, and they always had these big Department of Agriculture checkpoints right next to the immigration places. So basically, if you had any sort of animal or plant products, they they had a very short list of stuff that was allowed through. And yeah, uh, even if he had, thor- yeah, maybe if he'd thoroughly disinfected the shells, yes. would, but he said they would certainly wouldn't have been any reminiscent odour clinging to them. Uh, so yes, sniffing them would not. Have, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that would have uh, spotted him having all his uh, memory. Maybe that would have added to the poignancy of the ending. Him having all his shells incinerated as he went through customs. Um, but I, it's an ambiguous ending. But I, I feel it's not as ambiguous, perhaps, as it's decried. I don't think that, it's ambiguous. I think no, it's, that, it's saying this guy's story is not over. Yes, he he could maybe make some choices from here. But for the moment, he is back in a world which previously greatly satisfied him, and now is is pretty hollow to him. Mm. And again, even saying that, it seems kind of cliched. But it's not the ending you expect because this the film has a kind of veneer of what did you put magical realism? Is that how you yeah. describe it? Well, yeah, I, I I tend to use that in a fairly scathing sort of way because I'm a fantasy and science fiction reader. Yes. And it has often seemed to me that magical realism is what you call your fantasy book when you want it to sell to the major mainstream literary audience. <laughs> and don't want to call it a genre novel. Yeah. Uh, but one, one of the hallmarks of that seems to be magical stuff happens, but we never, never even sidle up on the possibility of an explanation of it. Now, are we, uh, we've talked about Fulton Mackay's kind of um, uh, sage living on the beach um, and uh, uh, understanding the wisdom of the natural world. Um, Marina... Are, are her is, web's feet significant? We don't know. I mean... I mean, it is... To it me, could, it's right... The answer could be no. It probably is no. But it's played for... Maybe this is a bit of local weirdness. Well, there is... Actually, in the trailer I watched for Local Hero, there's a moment when Peter Capaldi is wading out to sea to talk to Marina. Uh, and she dives under the water. And then a tail clearly flops up out of the water and flops back down again which seems to did not make it to the main cart which suggests that all this you know there's a moment when um, Peter Capaldi's uh, saying oh the seals they were they were supposed to be mermaids and she has a kind of a knowing look in her eyes when she says oh well they're wrong um, mm-hmm. I mean I don't know uh, this is a Jenny Seagrove as Marina um, yeah who, who I think most of her career was in theatre though she did a fair bit of other film work as well I don't. I don't know what kind of acting job she does here. I am no. Again, it's fairly early in her career. Yes, uh, she doesn't have a lot to do really, other than mm. be an object of male gaze. Looking um, classic. Yeah. Um, is she a mermaid? I mean, it's never, as you say, this is where magical readers have become. There are there are a lot of hints that she may be like. It's suggested that she kind of swims across there from Wales. I'm not quite sure what. Um, but she's always in the sea. She's sometimes wearing a shimmering gown. I don't know quite what we're supposed to get from that. There's a subplot that could largely be the excise from the film. I don't know. It lends. It adds to this sense of. We've used whimsy, and when I use whimsy again, I, I use it in a fairly disparaging <laughs> term in the sense that I don't like it. Um, well, I think there's a sense that. This is not quite the normal world. It's not just a poor bit of the world. It's a bit that's a bit sideways. Yes. 
And, and I what... wonder, actually, because a thing I was spotting uh, during most of the uh, cliff scenes, um, do, do you know about the 180 degree rule in filmmaking? No, tell me. Uh, basically, if you've got people re- progressing as it might be left to right or right to left across the frame, you, sh- you should maintain that direction. Oh, yes. Okay, yes. I um, have heard of that. Yeah. And if if you have to, to transition from one to the other, then you should at least have a scene of going straight towards or straight away so you can say, right, we are shifting now to the other way of looking yes. at it. And yes. I, I got the feeling it was jumping back and forth really quite a lot uh, right. between the you know, looking onshore, looking offshore. And I yes. wonder whether, I mean, Forsyth is a competent filmmaker. I don't know whether this was a standard piece of filmmaking knowledge at the time, but it certainly was earlier, so presumably he knew about this. I wonder whether he's trying to do that deliberately to make it um, feel to make it feel a little, a, a little unreal, yeah. Um, very possibly. I mean, it, the, what I liked about the film is that the um, the locals are not caught up by this magic. They just have bloody hard lives, and they are very well, happy to get out of this particularly clear what most of them do. Well, other most of them do them a bit of everything. Yes, yeah. How they um, survive? I it put me in mind um, favorably uh, of um, Terry Pratchett's Citizens of Ankh-Morpork, who are um, a very practically minded uh, bunch, and hmm. it did not have the the kind of magical Scots pixies. I will say it doesn't rain once in the whole bloody film. Which is <laughs> there yeah, is a fog. Al- also no midges. Yes, there are no midges. There is one a Scotch fog. Uh, I mean, both you and I were railing at the fact that they just stopped the car in the middle of the road. I mean, um, on, on the one hand, I can't see where I'm driving. That's fair enough. Mm. On the other hand, stop in the middle of the road. You know, maybe the maybe the fog will lift during the night, and somebody will be coming along that road. So, yeah, yeah. You've you've got two people. You can have one of you walking in front to say, "Go another three feet forward." Yes, and pull just a little bit off the friggin' road. <laughs> well, I wonder if the point of that fog was um, again a bit of magical realism. You are now entering this slightly fairy tale kingdom, um, and when you wake, things will be different. Mm. I th- though, 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 on the way out, it makes no difference at all. But of course, that's by helicopters; so it might be all different. Well, that's true. Well, there's no. Uh, I mean the the whimsy and the magical stuff is is fairly light touch to the point where you could argue is it there at all? I mean I think it is there, um, but there, there pretty... is nothing. I think there is nothing happening in the film which you couldn't give an entirely rational explanation to. Yes, it's just there is a lot of sort of coincidental things happening. Mm. Um, I mean, so in a way, well, the film very very much we'll get to Roger's aviation corner in a minute. I think, but the film succeeded <laughs> in the sense that I, for me at least, and I maybe I. I I sometimes feel I'm more down on films um, <laughs> than you are, but I wonder if I'm happier with this. So I felt a little bit like Mac in the sense that I went into this film like, oh, why am I, why am I going to this place? Um, and came out of it, I don't know, curiously, ch- not surprised, slightly, slightly surprised by some of the turns of the plots, um, satisfied by the ending. Mm. Um, I, I, satisfied... I don't normally do ambiguous and inconclusive endings but no there are some styles of story i'm coming to recognize where that is basically the right thing to do yes so but all, this yeah. is not the sort of story you, you might expect an ambiguous ending um mm. but by by the end of it it does it did work for me i, I, I don't was... really have a feel for where this sits in terms of narrative development and the, the films i've seen in, in which it is just White Guy Learns an Important Lesson, I think are mostly after this. So I wonder whether they're perhaps imitating the outer form, but saying, oh, let's give them a happy ending. Well, I suppose the things like, um, I mean, you could go back to Frank Capra's kind of films, like It's a Wonderful Life or Mr. Smith Goes mm. to Washington, which have a, a, a similar sort of... Uh, plot i suppose so i i, I think i mean if, if we're being like going on the narrative thing you know we could go back to a christmas carol and that sort of idea of yeah. uh yeah i know it's not quite the same thing because they are people who've been deliberately taught a lesson whereas this is it's that kind of man who ostensibly has everything and it usually is a man who is suddenly 
it's a quite specific genre of people who have re-embraced um, into the charms of the less glitzy world. Things like Doc Hollywood is another one that springs to mind. Mm, um, yeah, that sort of film where the 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 uh, that are generally made by glitzy, glamorous people, um, where the, the glitz and glamour is shown to be meaningless um, when, when compared to the, the strength of a community. Mm. Yeah, I'm, that, that is a definitely a double-sided thing. I mean, you've presumably known people who've grown up in small places and have got out. I certainly have. And it, it can be very frustrating that, you know, everybody you see every day is somebody you know everybody knows everybody's business all the time and all that yes. sort of, it can get very oppressive as well oh um, absolutely i mean this is a, so. a fantasy land for sure because you know the reality of small communities is they're sometimes small-minded um there can be a lot of cruelty that goes on behind closed doors and they're parochial is a word for a reason <laughs> mm. i guess i mean that's I, there is, as many as ever, there's a happy medium between, you know, the sense of community, but having some on an anonymity. Yeah. Um, but so it is. We are in fancy world here. Um, but it, yeah, I, I don't know what to say other than it. It charmed me. Um, should we? Should we? I mean, should we talk about Mac himself and his acting mm. job? And, the, and the I, I, have, was, I um, haven't seen Peter Regat in anything else, as far as no, I'm aware. Um, I mean, he, he's he's that it's not a short filmography. He's obviously had had a reasonable career, but there just haven't been things that have intersected with me. Yes, agreed. I uh, I, I googled him, um, uh, well, Wikipedia'd him, which is my level of research <laughs> generally. Um, and yeah, he certainly had a, a very and he he looked familiar, but I I couldn't I couldn't mention any of the other films that I've seen him in. How did did he win you over, Mac? Um. I felt that the script was setting him up as the butt of comedy, you know, ha ha, he's a loser. He he likes to communicate other than face to face. His co-worker turns him down for a date. His ex doesn't immediately do what he wants. Yes. But once he got to actually do his own thing, it came together a bit better. Yeah. And, yeah. And that, that's the sort of comedy that doesn't really work for me anyway, so yeah. But... Um, once he got to have his own personality a bit, rather than just being the guy in the in the corporate machine, then I thought I thought it did uh, work out. He certainly did the job. Didn't he? I, I don't think that you desperately charmed me as a character, but I, uh, but he, yeah, I I sort of went I, on that I, I journey felt that with I him. I wanted him to succeed at least to some extent, at least in yeah. terms of his own personal status, even if not necessarily the goal he was trying to do. Um, and certainly there are a lot of films that never get that far with me. You know, they just assume that here is this guy, I'm going to cheer for him because he's the guy I see first. So. We're, lo- we're looking at you, Dinah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I uh, In a way, I suppose, because Mac is something of an everyman, he is a little bit emptier and you're supposed a to sort of project there, yeah. yourself into him. I mean, um, if if I had to give an award for best acting overall, it would definitely be Dennis Lawson. Yes, I agree. He does a he does a really great job here. You know, well, also the way he manages not only to portray the different personalities of his different roles, hmm. but to shift between them instantly. Yes, and believably, it's not like hmm. it's not like all oh, right, the joke's wearing a bit thin now. He's a taxi driver as well, because uh, there was an yeah, element I mean, he, of he's that. He's not going to deny something he's not going to say oh that's a different bloke yeah but the taxi driver persona is not the same as the accountant persona is not the same as the innkeeper persona yes because, because they have different things to do yeah and then he's kind of the the, the spokesperson of the town and he I, yeah i just it was a revelation to me um yeah i i i completely agree with you um the female characters of which there are well Three, two, I suppose. Two who have more than one scene. Yes, yeah, and then we have the yeah. Um, they, they are, they're all from a male perspective, aren't they? I mean, I, that's I what so, it yeah. seems like to me. I, I wish I could say they were developed in some way, but they don't. I mean, there's there's the um, Russian woman in the boat. Yeah, there's the <laughs> uh, punk girl at the Kaylee. Single scene. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they, they, they. I mean they're well acted and, and nice, but you know Stella is a slightly enigmatic 
character who didn't get a lot of screen time, but uh, somehow Mac falls in love with her. That that fell slightly fat, flat I, I for me. I was quite surprised when he said that. I mean, yeah, yes, they've been friendly, but <laughs> it yeah. it sort of works because I don't know if it was more of a I could I'm in love with this himself. place. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But, but I don't think there's anything to suggest that she would reciprocate or even be aware of the situation. No, she has a slightly enigmatic look as the plane goes over and she realises he's left without saying I thought that was a nice moment, actually, when Mac realises he's going. And, um, uh, is it Urquhart? What's his first name? Uh, Dennis Lawson's code. Gordon is saying, well, go and, you know, go and say goodbye. And he, he won't, um, he he kind of brushes it off in in a very uh, nonchalant way, and I like that because it suggested he couldn't deal with the pain it might cause him um, for doing that. Um, also, he's he's having to transform himself. I mean, just as Urquhart transforms himself instantly and effortlessly, uh, Mac is having to transform himself back into the Houston guy. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a nicely played. There were a lot of nicely played scenes, particularly between um, uh, between those two. Um, I mean, the comedy didn't always. It's kind of a I don't know what you call it a comedy drama, a comedy whimsy. I'm, I'm not sure that there's little Genre's drama hard. in it, frankly. Um, uh, well, <laughs> uh, it was the comedian who uh, was on his deathbed, and they wished him well, and he said, "Dying, dying's easy. Try comedy. That's hard." Yeah. <laughs> I forget. Um, but the, the comedy. Uh, I don't know. It didn't raise a lot of laughs for me. Um, it was a bit on the nose with Peter Capaldi. Um, but I, I liked felt it. it was heavy-handed at times. Yes. But I don't know. You'd have Heart of Stone not to be in some way warmed by it. I do Jeez, and bugger off. I have a, I have a black and soul. But... <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> but, Fair but, enough. But, there were certainly bit, bit, bits of it I enjoyed. I, I, did, I didn't love it by the end, but I had enjoyed it. So, you know, fair enough. Yeah, well, I think love would be a, a strong word. I, I can see why people get captivated. Um, you know, my uh, worn definition of films, which I could watch again from the start, having finished it, uh, having just watched the end credits. I'm, I'm surprised to find this film is creeping in there. It, it's not Fair quite enough. there, but I, I did actually... I feel there were moments when my attention waned in the film, so I watched it again after I'd watched it the first time, mm-hmm. skipping some of the other scenes, um, and just... Slightly sinking into the ambience of it and enjoying it um, in yeah. in a slightly surprising way to me. Um, what oh, the Russian character? Do, what did you have? Uh, how did you feel about him? Well, again, I mean, he's pretty sketched in. You know, here, yeah, here is yeah. here is this um, com- presumably communist uh, Russian trawler skipper, and he's all about his investments. Ho ho. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I I felt you know. I mean, yeah. He 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 pokes things. A bit to keep them moving, but I didn't feel really that he had a big effect on anything. No, he was just some sort of local colour, I suppose. Um, as, I, 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 as a way of saying these people are not completely cut off from the world. Well, also but, it was a bit of a count. What you know, when Mac first experiences him, he's uh, he's like, right, I'm going to my room. I don't know. But by the end of it, they had become friends and a swapping address, mm. as if you know Mac's ever going to go to Merman's gate. Yeah, you know, it's a, but it's a nice, mm. it's a nice moment. Um, uh, ultimately, yeah. So this was the strangest journey in some ways that I've had with a film. Mm. Um, in that I initially disliked it and then liked it, but didn't love it. But feel more warmly thinking back on it. Um. Yeah. Than I than I have done with it with a lot of the other films we talked about, and that's that's a surprise to me because that's what everyone says happens with this film. Um, <laughs> and I do they love Mark. You. Yeah, they guy they dragged me in. Okay, I took uh, a blood sample with a hot wire. <laughs> uh, no, I don't like it as much as that. I must say, <laughs> the thing will always have a special place in my heart. Um, but I liked it. It was charming. I mean, I've been to Scotland. It's cold and miserable quite often. I mean, it's, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a charming film. I mean, I didn't quite. I liked the way it subverted the stereotypes without. It didn't really significantly. It, it could have, do more subversion. But, it, it, did, I mean, the but pl- it did more than I thought it was going to. Yeah, the plot clonks along on its rails as it is supposed to, right from the opening scene. But it 
it subverts so and consequently is narratively satisfying but where it can it it undermines that the oil executives are not evil bastards um the 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 inhabitants are quite happy to be made millionaires and bought out um mac learned his lesson but doesn't end up in a better place in fact mm. no one really does. We'll, we'll touch upon that last bit that you mentioned you know that the villagers are in a similar position to mac they've been given a taste of a much better life and have it snatched away from them right at the end by this mysterious uh and otherwise unmentioned third option second option for what's yeah. going to happen um I guess I, my other argument would be Mac is the proxy for that. What happens to him is similar to what the villagers go through. That's fair. Yeah, I, I did, of course, while we were watching this, um, send send you a technical question. Um, there, there is this matter of the rabbit. <laughs> well, that became a big point, but you're right. There, are, there are no points when the rabbit. Um, defecates during the film now that is a very bad sign in capital letters for rabbits because it means the rabbit is in ilius which basically means the rabbit is about to shuffle off its mortal coil very shortly mm-hmm. um now i agree with you except that they explain that in the film this rabbit was in shock because it had a broken leg and however cute it looked that's what rabbits do right up until the point where they die because they're prey species um and, and if and, they and look... If you look wounded then, you, then you're the one that gets chased yeah exactly so they look as well as they possibly can up until the moment <laughs> they die it became a bit of a moot point with a uh, flopsy or whatever her name was because they ate her which again was a scene uh um they're very difficult to sex rabbits but um <laughs> They probably could have found out, actually, come the mill. I like that scene, actually, as well, because I agreed with you. But what? They've rescued this road. What is going This is some magical town where wildlife is captured and happy. Oh, no, they've eaten it. All right. <laughs> I, I did. I think the best part of that uh, was from Stella, who is clearly completely confused by this situation and says the best thing she can think of. You don't have to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, that was a nice... Um... Yeah, that was one of my favourite comedy moments in the film, actually. It sounds awful coming from an expert, but it was... I agree. That was... I th- I was offended because I've seen people take rabbits home and look after them and just have them die in their house and think, oh, well, that's kinder than taking it to the vet to have them put to sleep. Well, is it, though? Is that what the rabbit went through? Whereas these realistic villagers um, saw that the rabbit was suffering and in pain and also that no rabbits were allowed in the <laughs> in the hotel rooms. Um <laughs> And did the kindest. Well, I'm presuming they did it kindly. Um, that that's quickly and efficiently, I suspect. I suspect so. They certainly give you that impression that it's not their first rabbit. Uh, well, there so, we are. Well, like, I've got a couple of uh, little side bits to add. One of which is Roger's science corner because there's a, there's a mildly obscure thing here uh, where, when they're talking with the people who've been designing the facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're talking about you know that this will survive glaciation. And this is obviously meant to be a, a comedy moment, but this this was an actual thing, very briefly. Right. Um, the, the idea that temperatures were actually getting colder. Oh, yes, that we were on the verge of another ice age. It, mostly in the early 70s, and it was never really a majority view, and it was, of course, completely wiped out when we got better historical climate data. But it, it had this little little spike in about 75, 76, you know, as Time and Newsweek covers. Right. Um and then I found myself thinking, yeah, why would an oil company be interested in playing that up? <laughs> Which I'm sure is not part of the narrative as intended. But uh... You've touched upon the conspiracy behind the whole film. Um, <laughs> they seem um, like very innocent days when we worried about the world getting colder. Mind my, my the Planet 7345 Happer. Uh, in a main belt asteroid was named uh, in ninety two yes. after Happer in this film. So, this film has a huge cult following. Um. <laughs> I, I think quite a lot of people saw it, and um, just yeah, a lot of people liked it. So fair enough. Yeah, I, including a lot of critics. I must say, I found less written about this film than a lot of the others we've um, that we've looked at. There've been less opinions of it, and they're usually quite warm. I'm not sure I found. Did you find any negative opinions particularly of it? Not particularly. I mean, negative bits, as, as we've said here, but but nobody, I think, who, who really disliked the film thoroughly. Um, looking at the box office, I mean, it made decent money, but not huge money. It wasn't a staggering international success or anything. No, it didn't, um, didn't cost loads either, I suspect. So. 
Yeah. Apart from Burt Lancaster. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The uh, I, Of course, I get Roger's Aviation Corner out of this. Maybe uh, no. I mean, it, it's not as if there are any guns in it, after all. Um, <laughs> that would so, have been a different film. So, yeah, th- those uh, RAF aircraft are Jaguars, which were yeah, getting a bit old by this point. Uh, the Tornado was in oper- operational service from 82 and basically replaced it. You know, the Jaguars were still flying till 2007, so... Well, that was a, that brings me on to it. But there was a strange... Um, like, they're literally dropping bombs. That's like... kind of unusual. I mean, they, w- they would do... They would practice low-level flying, but yeah. bombing happens on bombing ranges a long way away from yeah, any, but it was like who's allowed to be there. It was another slightly unreal, magical... It just seemed like a strange... I, I'm not they're, sure they're quite part of the, the environment, of... really. I mean, we we never see the pilots; we never meet them. They're they're just a thing that turns up. A bit like the the kind of crazy red motorbike guy who is on on the mm. otherwise deserted streets. Whenever Max steps out, into, <laughs> yeah, um, steps out into the road. I yeah, I'm not sure quite what the point, if any, of the the kind of bombing runs was. Um, yeah, yes, here I, is I, the I, thing that happens. I think here is the thing that happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there we go. That the the other one part that of it. possibly struck me more than it should, um, but I think it's one of the first we've seen in films we've watched for this, um, the Bell Jet Ranger, which is obviously a very familiar helicopter because it was all over film and TV in the 70s and 80s. It uh, makes me think of Magnum PI. I yeah, know. I mean, it, it was used in that. It was used in everything. Right. Um, which started off as a... Um, military contract bid um, and the military thought this is really horrible, we don't like it so so they civilianised it <laughs> oh my goodness, okay, so it's a terrible helicopter the, 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 or the, the original was really ugly, it had these great big square door fairings and a bubble canopy and just nobody liked the look of it uh, right. so, so it, got a, it got a front half of the fuselage redesign um, but, I mean, there are some still flying today but to me this is very much a thing I learned to associate with TV and film at this this sort of date. Oh yeah, definitely. Because there were just like... so many of the things around, it, it it became very quickly the standard helicopter that you you bought or rented unless you had a reason you wanted something else. Because it was yeah, just a good would... all rounder. There would be these helicopters and the ones you would see in Vietnam films, and that would be pretty much all the helicopters <laughs> you would see. Yeah, all right, yeah. fair enough. So I mean, it's it's not especially significant here, and I'm certainly not going to do the sort of the sort of plane geeking that starts spotting the uh, individual aircraft at the airport because even I'm not that interested in that. <laughs> but, uh... Come on, Roger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I suppose overall, in summary, local hero for me. I I suppose I don't really. I certainly didn't hate it enough to have a rant about it. Um, mm, mm. I don't love it enough to gush about it. Um, uh, left me with a warm feeling, which I I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I visited that place. I will watch it again. I yeah, I mean, I could see myself browsing it. through my film library at some point in the future and thinking, yeah, I'll watch that again. Yeah, it was. It's a nice. It's a nice and surprisingly, I don't know. Maybe cynical's not the right word, but maybe surprisingly. It's not just nice. It's not just nice. It's not Disney, is it? There's a bit of grit yeah. in there, um, and I. I appreciated that because I was fully expecting a full-on diabetic-inducing <laughs> coma, mm. um, and it it nicely subverted that and charmed me. Uh, I don't want to gush about it more. I, I you know I didn't love it that much, but I liked it a lot, and will probably like it more over time. Yeah. So a bit, a bit of a surprise overall. Yeah, I would say so. Oh, we, yeah. we should talk about the music, I guess. Oh, lovely Mark Knopfler. Um, yeah, I, that said, it's, it's a lot more Mark Knopfler than it is Scotland, I think. It is, yes, I think that's fair. I I didn't actually find it intrusive, in fact, because I, 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 it was one of the few things I knew about the film, but often I didn't notice it. It's only really hmm. the ending, uh, which is the most famous. The, is it Gone Home, Going Home? Going Home, yeah. Yeah, the, the famous, uh, which he now, Mark Knopfler incorporates into a lot of his, um, or he did some time ago. He's always he's a very prolific um, mm. musician. Mark. I've got to say, it did remind me a lot of the Princess Bride soundtrack from four years later. It, it's I mean, definitely got a Mark Knopfler style in there. As 
as with a lot of artists you can recognise the drawing, I think with Mark Knopfler, you you pretty a few chords into it, a few finger picks into it, you'll recognise a Mark Knopfler tune. Yeah, I have I haven't heard a lot of his other solo work. I assume there is other solo work. There's tons of it. Uh, very good. <laughs> I would strongly recommend it. I do. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. follow many artists. I just usually follow songs that I like. But whenever I've bought a Mark Knopfler album solo, which I bought four, I think I have liked all of them. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. So. And they're not. They don't all sound like. This is kind of his dire straits kind of music stuff. Um, <laughs> but uh, I like it. I can see why other people like it too. Hmm. So yeah, I mean, we're we're a pretty cynical bunch, but we we are, we are left without much to be cynical about. Well, yeah, it it slightly warmed the cockles of our cold dead hearts. Um, which uh, you know I'm, what? I'm sure we can get back to it normal soon. <laughs> I well, I've touched on it a few times. I, I would like a film if it moves me in some way emotionally. I I could go back on that because Raging Bull certainly moved me emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had an emotional response to Local Hero and a slightly unexpected one. Um, and well, we still don't know what the title means. I was going to yes, I googled that. I couldn't. What? Who is the local hero? In, is that supposed to be Dennis Lawson? Is it supposed to be Mac? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you said that. All right, remain remains unanswered. But there we go. Thank you, Bill Forsyth. We liked your film, and we can see why other people do too. Um, so we already talked about um, 1983's big box office. So. Uh... I guess we'll just be back next week. Well, I mean, I think we might as well finish this podcast early, given the millions we're going to roll in with. Uh, uh, oh wait, they're not going to—they're not going to buy the podcast anymore. They're going to set it up as a research podcast Why on Canvey Island. I, th- I didn't see that coming. Canvey Island. <laughs> uh, well, then we should leave it there. <laughs>